Hey, it's Brandon Laws. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download today. This episode is featuring Matt Tanner. He's the founder of Same Page HR, and we're really featuring small organizations in this podcast. We talk about how in small organizations, somebody's wearing an HR hat, and a lot of times they're not an, a trained HR professional. And we describe how many small businesses are terrified that they're missing something when running HR and they're at risk and fearful of being sued or doing something wrong. And we also describe how many small businesses are working really hard on the compliance side of HR and not really focused on the strategy. So we talk about all that, how to leverage resources, whether internal or external, and we share how small businesses can really get a hold of their HR department, create a great HR function, great HR strategy, and set themselves up for success. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to connect with Matt Tanner and all the social media channels and make sure to follow me. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I, I want to like stick with the, the small businesses that are out there, small organizations. Many companies of that size, they don't have a traditional HR department or an HR person, but the HR duties exist. They just fall to a certain type of person. For those smaller organizations that I'm, I'm describing, where does it, where does that fall to? Yeah, so we like to say that uh, somebody's wearing the HR hat that doesn't want to wear it, and that's <laughs> that's that's really who we who we target and who we uh, try to help. And so, what I have found, what we have found, is it is often uh, an office manager or like a right hand person, somebody that's really strong and organized, and it makes sense, right? You you're like, hey, you can handle payroll and everything else that just kind of mushrooms from that. So it's somebody like that, or it is sometimes the COO, like the whoever's in charge of operations, or what I see a lot, and this is kind of the worst case scenario, I think, no offense, is like founders that are just like right. holding on to that last piece. And, and so that seems to be the kind of three buckets that it usually falls into. And uh, there's pros and cons to all those, but that's what yeah. we see the most often. I also, I, I tend to see, you know, kind of the mid-sized employer, like 25 employees out of 50 that... HR, if it falls somewhere, it often falls on financial people, which is really weird to mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Do you see that too? Yeah. I th I, when I say COO, I, I should say CFOs as well. Or, CFOs, COOs, yeah. Or somebody, somebody in that seat. And I think that's because it's like, hey, you know, you're doing payroll. Can you, can you figure out what our benefits should be? And then from there, next thing you know, they're handling everything from uh, onboarding and it just, it just mushrooms. So I, I've seen that for sure. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting is, is I'm sure like people listening can attest to like, as you're a small, like kind of startup and then you get to five employees and then 10, at some point there becomes an inflection point where processes and things need to be put in place because it's like, okay, we're, we're not one or two employees anymore. We're like 10 now 25. And there's just, like certain things that happen at those different marks where now, okay, we need actually HR infrastructure. And if it's falling to somebody who's not an HR person, right, they can kind of get into a, a, a kind of a bad position, don't you think? For sure. Uh, but it's an interesting point you bring up because one thing that I have been 
adamant about from the start is we, we don't want to market our business, any sort of fear-based marketing. They come to us with that though. They say, hey, when we were five people, we were just kind of, we didn't need a handbook. We didn't need policies because we all knew each other. We, yeah, they're all buddies. <laughs> we worked in a garage metaphorically or, or, or really. And so we didn't, and now we're just worried we're going to get sued. And it's, it's this HR thing. Folks come to us just terrified. It's, all, it's founders. Like, I don't want to get, I don't want this thing to get destroyed. And so, and if you look out there at some of the HR consulting or fractional HR businesses, there is a lot of marketing kind of around that. Things right. like don't rely on Google to keep you out of jail and things like that. And so you're right. There are things you just have to know. I mean, for instance, during this pandemic and, and everybody great resignation or whatever you want to call it, I've got a lot of clients that would call and say, hey, you know, we said we're going remote first and woke up this morning and we've got employees moving to Colorado and New York. Can, can they do that? And so there are things that sure you have to be compliant on. But so yes, I would agree that you do at some point need to get a little more real about this stuff. But I'm also very careful not to uh, strike fear into anybody because often I think that that is overblown a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, so for those that are unintentionally wearing that HR hat, mm-hmm. what, what kind of words are they using, when, especially when you're talking to those types of people and you're trying to support them? What do they typically feel? What's, what's their yeah. emotional state? What words do they use? They almost all use the same phrase. It is uncanny. I and mean, so much so we now use it in our marketing. They always say, I just don't know what I don't know. Yep. And I hear it every call. And, you know, emotionally, it's, it's stress, it's confusion. And, you know, they're not just wearing the HR hat. They're wearing a lot of hats and they've probably already handed off some of the other ones. Like they were doing the finance hat at one point and they handed that off or the marketing. And so it's oftentimes we see one of the last hats that small teams pass off. I don't know if, if uh, you would agree, but so that's the emotion. It's confusion, just fear of getting in trouble. Like I said, I mean, we try not to fan those flames, but, but mm-hmm. fear is a real one that they come to. But that's the main thing they say is I just don't know what I don't know. Yeah. I hear that a lot too. And it's, it's interesting because I think the people side of the business, I wish, I wish more employers were proactive about it. Cause I think mm-hmm. it's really, really important, but with what the words you're just using is like, it sounds like very reactive. Like, I don't know what I'm yeah. doing. Like I need help. Like, please point me in the right direction. That's a great point. It is very reactive. And so I think that comes from some of these 25 or so employees. I'll call them smaller businesses. I am seeing more proactive founders on building culture and and things like that. And they feel more equipped to do that, I think most do. And we, we can help with that. But what they're really looking for when I talk to them is some degree of that, but also, hey, can you help with this other thing that I might not fully understand? Them. So it is a mix, but you're right. That, that fear based is more reactive. What type of things fall on this position's plate? You know, so if there's a bunch of HR duties that they need to do, they can't do it all, but what, what things come up, especially when they're that small and there's no HR person? Yeah, it's really everything from the full employee lifecycle, uh, recruiting, you know, like before they even get there. This is obviously currently a big topic, just finding talent. And, and that is a full-time job for a lot of people, just recruiting and finding people, getting them in the door. And then onboarding, getting them onboarded properly also just not only from a culture uh, standpoint, understanding the company, but just, you know, I once had a founder tell me like, is this I-9 thing really important? Do I have to do this? And 
<laughs> no, um, not at all. Just neglect. Yeah. <laughs> we can debate whether or not it's important, but it is, sure. uh, it, you, you got to do it. So um, yeah, it's a compliance thing. Right? Yeah. All of that stuff to payroll benefits. Benefits is a big one for these employers that are providing it, answering employee questions about that all the way through to the employee exit when that happens. And then also sprinkled in there, you've got, uh, we had someone recently that said, uh, Hey, you know, my, my boss is having me do all this HR stuff. And, and now uh, they want me to do all the learning and development and training. And so it's just, I think maybe this is just because I'm in this world and, and maybe every kind of discipline would, would say this, maybe marketing folks say this, but I really feel like if you don't know where to put it, you throw it in like the HR and that's just, um, <laughs> and I think that's kind of a catch all. Maybe everybody feels that way, but that's, that's, I, I see that a lot. I think that's very true. Well, and then, so you talk about the employee life cycle, but then there's also stuff that comes up like a pandemic that, yeah. you know, gets thrown oh, yeah. on HR people, like whether it's like, oh, now we got to go remote and we got to have right. policies in place and, and right. all these things that come on well, compliance, of, of course, like came up with the pandemic and, yeah. and that falls to this this role, doesn't it? It does. And it's, it's these kind of fuzzy soft skill things of, Hey, can you help us build a cohesive culture now that we're going remote or a lot of these things that are not things you would fully just hand off to somebody. It's, it's the entire leadership team's job, but I get it. Like they're building a business and they're, they're focused on like, well, finance does this, marketing does this. Can HR help us build a remote first culture? And sure you can, but it's just this all encompassing kind of these fuzzier things, I think often fall to HR. And, and we can talk about that, like how, why that, I think that's a sometimes problematic view, but we, we see a lot of that. And so that's part of the challenge. Uh, it recently, I think it was a couple episodes ago, I, I interviewed Annika Victorica, who is you know, a longtime listener of the show, but also, you know, she was in an operations role and then HR fell to her. And just hearing her story about like, I don't know what I don't know, you know, the common phrase, and then just being able to leverage resources to learn and even to whether it's outsourcing or finding resources to take care of certain functions. Do you, I mean, do you see that a lot too, where it's somebody who's, who's seeking help? Yes. That's actually a, an ideal situation. Uh, and, I, and I listened to that episode, by the way, it was great. And yes, I think that to us is great when someone uh, is looking for, because while, while we provide HR support or, or fractional HR services, I don't think it works if you, and I've told folks this, when they come to us and say, hey, I just you know, I don't want to do the HR stuff. Can you all just handle it? And, and we can we can certainly handle it, but we prefer to work alongside folks in the in the organization and, and really get embedded with the company because it's not a thing that you can just kind of hide and out of sight, out of mind. It just doesn't work that way. It's literally has humans in the title. You're dealing with, your, it's your people. And so it doesn't work that way. So yes, um, when we have people come to us and say, hey, I'm in the role. I'd love kind of a thought partner. Um, can you do that? That works great. It doesn't always is how we set it up, but I do think that is one of the best ways uh, for us to work. When you see these these smaller organizations kind of struggle with their HR function, well, or lack thereof, and you know, duties fall to a person like this, an operations, financial person, whatever it may be, at what point do you you know recommend having an actual HR function, whether it's like a full time person or even a dedicated third party that you've outsourced certain functions to? Like, what what do you typically see? Yeah, the short answer is if you've got more than you know two people, you need somebody you can talk to about this. It might be an employment attorney to help you with uh, your partnership agreement. The second you've got an actual employee working for you, you need somebody that you can uh, talk to. Now that might be as simple as some of these payroll 
payroll systems out there now have just a, you know, a chat function right in there to, to ask a quick question. And so we don't, you know, we don't really compete with that. Like that's a great feature. If you've got three employees, you know, I was helping a woman recently that's a florist. She has single, she has one employee. And, you know, I talked through an issue with her, which was, which was fun, but I was like, Hey, you need to just get through this payroll provider. You can kind of get on demand questions answered. And so you need something like that immediately. But when you get to, I mean, there's no, it's, it's never clear cut depending on the industry, but you know, if you've got like 10 people, you need somebody, whether it's something like us, a fractional, or, you know, we can talk about going, some people go the PEO route where they're going that route. When you get to 10 people, like you need something like that, or at least somebody in the org that's wearing that hat officially. So, so everybody knows like, okay, for HR, I go to so-and-so who's actually the, it could be the chief uh, financer, head of market. It just needs to be clear who that is. Would be my thought on that. When an employer has a smaller staff and, and some of these duties fall to a person, are there areas of HR that are neglected as a result of somebody doing a hybrid role? Like they might be in operations, but yet they're doing a little bit of HR, but they're neglecting certain strategic functions of HR, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What are they giving up by not having a dedicated resource? Well, so this takes me back to kind of why I got into HR. Like years ago, I don't know if you're familiar with this article, but there was this kind of seminal article. I think it was in Fast Company called Why We Hate HR. And it's, um, <laughs> you know, we, we should put this in the show notes. If, we uh, should, yeah. It, it's, this, it's just this incredible kind of, I think it was like the editor of uh, Fast Company actually that wrote it. He went to this like HR Convention in Vegas, and uh, just kind of rattles off all the reasons that HR is a mess. And this was written in like 2005, and you read it now, and it's like a lot of the same problems. But the main takeaway is like HR has been talking for years about like we're going to be the strategic seat at the table, and it's just is it's just not happening. Instead, it's um, bureaucratic, it's it's uh, compliance, it's folks. I think he uses the term we go for efficiency in lieu of adding value. And so when you've got folks handling HR that are not in a strategic role or do not have the kind of business acumen or ability to think strategically, what they're going to lean to is just staying out of trouble or putting processes in place just for the sake of doing it. Things like performance reviews or writing a policies for every little thing that can happen. So that's what I see when somebody is kind of thrust into this, that either doesn't have a full view of, of what the business is trying to do, or maybe is in a position in their career where it just would be unrealistic to, to ask them to do that. You know, maybe they're just junior in their career and they're a really skilled office manager. They're just a super organized admin person and they get the HR stuff. Well, naturally, they're just going to focus on, all right, let's get a benefit plan in place. Let's make sure we're not breaking any laws. And that adds a degree of value to be sure. But what you're missing is that, I mean, you nailed it earlier, you're, you're missing the proactive, what are we actually trying to do here? Because you can very easily outsource a lot of that reactive, stay out of trouble stuff. You know, So that, that's what I think you're giving up when you just hand it to somebody that's quote unquote in over their head or doesn't want to wear that hat. You know what I've even seen too is, you know, I'd, as much as I'd like to say people should focus on the proactive and strategic side of HR, you know, talent acquisition strategies and culture and, and all these great things that make a great workplace. Problem is like a lot of HR people, even if there is a dedicated function, they're inundated with compliance issues. Yeah, yeah. It's ever evolving. The pandemic brought a whole slew of compliance issues. And <laughs> right. How do these people stay on top of it? Well, I don't think it's humanly po and this is an unpopular take when I'm talking to a, a CEO that wants a, uh, a very black and white answer. I just say it's not humanly possible. And so I worked for one of the greatest HR folks. She, at a previous stop, she actually 
reported, she was from Google, reported to Laszlo Bach, who wrote the only HR book that I think anybody's ever heard of. It's called Work Rules. So this woman, her name was Gabby. She's phenomenal, like unbelievable. And when I got there, uh, I was amazed that like every now we'd have an issue pop up and we'd, we'd huddle in and we'd be Googling answers. And I'm thinking like, this is the most brilliant woman I've ever met, like uh, in this HR field, just a dynamo. And it's humanly impossible to know every single state. We, I mean, there are just some crazy things out there. And so what you really need is somebody that can, so you're not going to manage to every thing that can happen. It would just be, you get bogged down and it would, it would, everything would break. So you need folks that are able to kind of parse through weigh risks and, you know, identify when is it okay to kind of break a, a policy? Okay, we know that's the policy. We know that not, not the law. Let me, let me be clear, like not, not breaking labor laws or, or doing things um, that are immoral or, or illegal. But, you know, for example, okay, you've got if you are just kind of trying to make sure everything is compliant, you might try to make a handbook that hits every single rule, or you might say, let's put some language in there that's a little more broad, and then we can kind of cross that bridge when we get there. It reminds me of, I don't know if this is still true, but but for years, Netflix's um, credit card policy was act in the best judgment of, uh, or something. it was something like, use your best judgment to act in the benefit of Netflix. It was like one sentence long. You know, I don't know if that's, that's still the case. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can't stay on top of every single thing. And that's why there is some benefit to some of these uh, outsourced products where, you know, they claim uh, that they'll do that for you. But I just don't think it's humanly possible. The government does not make that easy. Yeah, no, that's so true. And it, you brought up a point about just like Googling stuff, like all the information's out there. Like if an HR person or somebody who has HR duties wants to go Google everything and learn, they could possibly do that. But you said the word parse through information like it, that's the hardest part of this entire thing is figuring out what's what's real what's not what's accurate what's not there's a lot of misinformation out there too so just being able to go through that as it's time consuming and is it worth it at the end of the day i think that's a question somebody has to ask themselves is maybe this isn't the best use of my time to be going through all these compliance issues and maybe i just need an attorney or an hr firm to help me for sure for sure you know i see a lot of times the question that we get usually or not usually so, sometimes founders or, or companies will come to us when they're in the middle of an emergency, like a fire that, you know, we've been talking, they, they kind of like our model. And, and then all of a sudden they call me and say, Hey, we need to sign up because we, we need to fire somebody like it's a, or something just, something is broken. And, you know, and we'll get this question like, Hey, can I, can I fire this person? Or can I do this thing? Will I get sued? And, and I always say, let, let me back up. Like, tell me what you want your desired outcome to be. Yeah. And then let's go backwards and figure out, let's weigh the risk because they always frame it like, can I get sued? And my answer is always like, you can get sued even if you do everything right. Yep, like, that's 100% correct. Now, would you win? I mean, who knows? So I think that is really the, the crux of this issue is HR folks that can't kind of think strategically and look at like, what's best for the business? Okay, let's work backwards from there while staying as legal as possible. And, and I want to be very clear here. I'm not saying like, uh, let's just go break labor laws and, and do do whatever we want. But we can't start with like, oh my gosh, like we can't, you know, during this remote work exodus, I had a client that wanted to get in this policy, write a handbook with a policy of like for every state. And I said, you know, let's just, let's have something a little more broad and we'll, what do you want to do? And what they wanted to do was let everybody work from wherever they want to be a remote, go fully remote. And I said, well, you know, you've got 17 employees, like we mathematically, they can't go to every state. So let's just like have a very general policy and we'll, 
you know, if somebody tells you they want to move to New York, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And so that can be unpopular to these hard charging founders that, that want everything to be crystal clear. But HR is different than, you know, accounting. Like there's very clear, sometimes I wish I was an accountant because they've got, you know, gap principles and it's clear cut. We don't always have that. So I think when HR really starts to become an issue for some of these companies, it's it's like the process stuff. It's I got to pay people. I've got benefits deductions that I need to handle. I need open enrollment. I've got yeah, I got to find a new healthcare vendor for insurance. Like all these process oriented things. Do you have any recommendations for for somebody like this who might need to put some systems in place, a foundation for for the people practices? Do you recommend any systems, tools, firms that are like must haves? Yeah, I mean, for this, depending on the size, I'm a big process guy. And um, at, a, at a previous stop in my career, I worked for, for seven years for, it was a popsicle company actually here in Atlanta. And we, some of your listeners may have heard of the EOS or the Entrepreneur yep. Operating going, System. I'm going so, through that right now with my executive team. Yeah, I think it's a great, uh, and, and it's like, you know, folks, you read the book and you're like, this isn't, none of this is new and it's just well packed. It's not rocket science either, you know, but it's, it's like, it's, it's not. It's, you need a process as a foundation. Exactly. And so it's just a clear, there's some great processes in there around doing performance reviews. And so, you know, we have our versions of those things and they're all just, we're not uh, creating anything from scratch, but we're putting some very clear guardrails using what we've learned throughout our career around things like performance reviews and different things like that. And so I think to answer your question around what do I recommend to getting whatever processes in place you can early. Like EOS is a great system for a smaller business. I think getting a very simple, easy to use payroll system. I mean, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not a paid uh, effort uh, sales rep for any of those, but I've, I've got my favorites. But, you know, getting some of that in place early is, is important. But yeah, so I think for, for me, it's just focusing on um, a process that, again, is simple, but not so rigid that you can't, you can't break out of it when you need to. Yep. Well, you mentioned like earlier, like a professional employer organization, a PEO. That's actually what my company does. We do PEO. So we're payroll processor benefits, but we don't do it all. And so like, you know, things that are coming up now, it's like compensation, it's diversity, equity, inclusion. It's like, you're still going to have to source experts for those things and, and they will come up. And like right now, talent acquisition is a big pain point for people right now. You got this great resignation environment and for mm -hmm. the small companies, they're just getting hammered because these big enterprise level companies can offer all sorts of crazy money and perks where small businesses can't. So, you know, for, for people who might be struggling with, with that right now. So the HR stuff falls to these people who are not HR people and, you know, talent acquisition during the great resignation is happening. What, what do you recommend for that? For the talent acquisition piece? Yeah. Yeah. Like how do you get candidates lining it up and the retention issue is another piece. Sure. I think, so this is like a fascinating thing. I, I, on the one hand, I think everybody's a little tired. Every time you go on LinkedIn, it's like, Oh, great resignation. Everyone's like, Oh my God. Like I know I I, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. I reference but, it all the time. No. So on the one hand, I think that it's a little overblown, not overblown, but just I think people are a little like the groan inducing when they see it. But I do think it's fascinating because for me, it's just not, I actually think small businesses have an advantage here because I don't think this is fully about money. Now, I don't think, I'm not downplaying the, the power of that, but there's this great concept. I think it actually came out in like the 60s. It's this guy, McGregor, I think is the name. And it's this theory X, theory Y idea of motivation. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but compensation money is, is actually what's identified as a demotivator. And I have to be really 
careful when I say that, what that means. That doesn't mean that money doesn't matter. But what it means is um, you get the money right. If you don't, if the, if the comp is wrong, it is demotivating. But but adding five grand here, 10 grand there, yeah. well, we don't, you know, while we all want that, it doesn't uh, motivate you in the long run. And so what actually motivates people and what has to motivate people is the work itself, like intrinsic motivators, like recognition and, and growth and the job itself. And so I think it's not hard to go find a story of someone that was making X, you know, 10X what they, um, you know, these crazy salary numbers, but were miserable. And so what, what small business that does not give small businesses and, and exciting new places, this kind of free pass to pay nothing, but I think they're in a unique spot because it's easier for them to provide rewarding work or it should be. And I do see a lot of them hide behind that. And I've been at places that hid behind this, like, hey, you know, we're giving you this cool job. We can't pay you that much. And I think that's not going to work either. Again, it's demotivating to get it wrong, but it's the number one question that we get, even though we don't do recruiting, the number one question we get is like, how do I find talented people? How do <laughs> yeah, I find talented yeah. people? And, you know, I point them to examples that I've seen out there. Like there's this company, YNAB, actually used the product. It's a, uh, it's called, it's You Need a Budget. It's a software company called YNAB. And they had a job post recently that was like, I mean, someone had to spend it, uh, days on it. It was like four pages long, but it went through, here's everybody you're going to work with. Here's what they, here's their hobbies. I read it and it was like, I would love to work. I wanted to apply. Yeah. It was like this HR coordinator role. And this wasn't about like uh, spending a ton of money on advertising to get the job out there. It paid a reasonable salary, but you just read it and you're like, this is the kind of place I'd want to be. We had people say, well, I don't have, I can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, it might've taken them three days to write this thing. But imagine the quality of candidates you're going to get for that. And it just shows. So I don't, I don't know if that fully answers you. I, I might've got off track there. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm thinking out in my head too. I'm like, once your basic needs are met with money, to your point, like an extra five, ten thousand dollars probably isn't going to make a difference because people want their work to be meaningful. They want to, and they also want to know that they're contributing to something bigger than themselves. And I think the uh, the opportunity for a lot of leaders is to make sure that people feel connected to the mission of the organization. And it's a lot of it's communication. It's recognition and appreciation. There's all these like great people practice things that you can do inside the organization to make sure people feel their work is going to something. Uh, it's contributing to something bigger. Absolutely. And um, again, that is not, you know, we're not saying, oh, you don't have to pay that much. Just handle that. You, you have to pay a, a fair, reasonable salary. But all the other stuff is actually, I think, harder to, to get right. But once you do, man, what a, what a competitive advantage. And so, you know, getting that out in front of people is a challenge. And I'm not like a, you know, I'm not a recruiting expert or a, or a marketing expert, but I think finding that unique story first, and then, then you can probably figure out how to share it once you have it. But the reason that this thing is hard, this, this great resignation stuff is hard is because it's easy for us to sit here on a podcast and talk about connecting <laughs> um, to, to the company's purpose and providing yeah. meaningful work. There's a lot of jobs out there that just aren't that meaningful. And I don't think people want to do those anymore. And this has kind of woken them up to that. So, you know, I've talked with founders and say, you know, we're, we're paying this. It's, it's, it's above market. I've done the research and, um, and the business, there's just like, they don't have core values and the purpose, they have a stated purpose on their website, but it's clearly just to, you know, make some money so this founder can sell this thing. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that's not, people don't want to do that anymore. It's not that exciting. So while it's easy, it's one of those concepts that I think is easy to grasp and, and hard to, to put into practice. So well, Matt, this has been such a really fun discussion. Uh, is there anything else that you can think of that you, you want to leave people who, you know, are listening to this podcast and like, yes, I'm, I'm feeling all this. I, I resonate with, with this, any resources you could point them to or anything that you just want to leave in, in kind of a parting thought? 
Yeah, for sure. So I think if you're wearing that HR hat and you don't want to wear it, we've put a guide out because we know we're not for everybody. And so we've put a guide out there. It's a great starting point for people that are trying to parse through all this. It tries to walk through all the different aspects of things you might be dealing with. And hopefully you can link to that in the show notes, but that's on our website. I think it's just a great kind of starting point. We've gotten some good feedback on that. So that's what I'd point people. Awesome. Matt Tanner, it's been a pleasure to have you on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. 